Hey, I am thankful to be here this morning. Psalm number 139 is where we are this morning. <clears throat> Been walking through James. We'll be back there next week. But uh, this morning, <clears throat> stepping aside and going into Psalm 139, today's Sanctity of Life Sunday. And uh, a lot of people, when they hear Sanctity of Life Sunday, have this misconception uh, that, oh, okay, you're going to talk about abortion and you're going to get political. And uh, no, I'm not. Uh, what I want to do this morning is just basically talk about the greatness of God. And uh, you say, why, why would you preach on that on Sanctity of Life Sunday? Uh, because your beliefs, your theology, your theology will determine, <clears throat> again, your beliefs on these subjects. Not only that, but your theology will even help you understand, again, who our God is. And when we begin to understand who our God is and that He is a great God and that there is no one who compares to Him and where life comes from and how special and sacred life is, then that's all we really need to know, the greatness of our God. Obviously, there are some who would say, well, I don't even believe that God exists, the atheist, and, and, and that's the most ridiculous position to assume. In fact, it's unnatural, unnatural as a whistling lizard. It just is not natural to be an atheist. You say, why would you say something like that? Well, because God created each one of us with an innate being, as an innate being, with the understanding that God does indeed exist. Romans tells us that in Romans chapter number 1, verse number 19 and 20, the Bible says it like this, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without <clears throat> excuse. God is a great God. And God, help us today just to catch a glimpse of your greatness because it impacts everything that we do. It impacts who we are. It impacts even our worship. When you think about the angels who are around the throne of God Almighty today and, and they can't cease to sing his praises. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. They've caught a glimpse of the greatness of our God. When we catch a glimpse of the greatness of God, it affects how we worship him. It doesn't just affect how we worship him. If we, if, if we can just catch a glimpse this morning, it will help us understand, again, our identity as well as our purpose as individuals. And there are many people who are struggling with that this morning. You are the ultimate creation of God Almighty. When you're talking about a person, when you're talking about you this morning, you are more significant than all the stars in the heavens. <laughs> you are more precious to God than every planet that exists today. You are somebody special made in the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 1, verses 26 and 27. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You are somebody special. You are not just another animal. You are created in the image of God, and you are special this morning. And I'm grateful, again, to be able <clears throat> to go there. Maybe this morning you are somebody, and you are struggling with esteem issues, and that's real. Hey, listen, 
I pray that you'd stop listening to the lies from the devil because you are precious. You are somebody. There's never been another one like you, nor will there ever be another one like you. You are unique and somebody special, valuable to God Almighty. You know, when you think of value, how much will we pay for something? That's how valuable that is to us. And when you think about the value of things in life and the value of, of, uh, uh, I'm not going to buy this house because I just don't see that value on that. This is the amount that I will pay for that car. Why? Because that's how I perceive the value of that car. Do you know that God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth said, man, I see the value. You are so special that I will pay the ultimate price for you. And that's what he did for you. Each one of you. God loves you so much. He paid the ultimate price for you because he wants an intimate relationship. He went to the cross, laid down his life, conquered death in the grave, and he's alive today. I'm grateful for our great God, the greatness of our God. Psalm 139, beginning in verse number 1, as we look at, again, just how great is our God. Verses number 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. God is an all-knowing God, first of all. God is an all-knowing, the greatness of our God. He knows everything our God does. It's kind of like a teenager. He knows it all and can't be taught anything. Uh, But he really does know it all and doesn't need to be taught anything because, again, he is God. The Bible says over in 1 John, in 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 20, it says it like this, And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. God is greater than our heart. Why? Because, hey, listen, sometimes our hearts even can mislead us, but our God knows everything about us. In fact, there are some people today that may be even struggling with, with, with this issue right here. Peer perception. If they really knew me, they probably wouldn't love me. I have to always have this outer image that I project that everything is cool. And if they really knew all about me, they probably wouldn't love me. And this morning, do you know that God Almighty, He does know everything about you. And He really, really loves you. That is a good word this morning. Jeremiah chapter number 1 and verse number 5 over in Jeremiah 1 and verse number 5, it says it like this. Hey, listen, and you follow this verse really closely. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nation, speaking specifically to Jeremiah, but yet to all of us. In other words, God really does know us. He says, before I knew you, the same word used to describe a relationship between a husband and a wife, I have known you to the depths. I know you and I love you. The Bible says that he searches us in verse number one as we go oh lord you have searched me and you have known me the same word used to describe again how much he knows you and how he does really see you it's like as if god has x-ray vision and he can see right down into the depth of your soul i mean that's what he is that's who he is he sees you and knows all things about you you know uh sometimes there are folks that really like to believe that they're gifted by God in a certain way such that I can really see you, that I can know you, that I can know your heart. When the fact of the matter is <clears throat> only God and Superman, not you. Uh, and, and by the way, there's no such thing, Superman. Just in case your wife told you that, you're not. But anyways, <clears throat> you're not gifted to the extent that you can know somebody. But the problem is, the problem is some people are convinced of that. And so what happens to us if we're not careful? Because I think I know everything about these people and everything about everybody else around me that I really can understand them and I know why they do what they do. And I just know, I just know you. And the problem is you don't. But what happens is we'll make these assumptions and these assumptions become realities and do you know that assumptions have destroyed more relationships than anything else on the planet? An assumption. I know them. No, you don't. I don't. What do I know about these people that I'm surrounded by? I know this much to be true. That God Almighty, who never makes any mistakes, created them in His image. And they are incredibly special to him. And they ought to be to me, too. And they ought to be to me, too. God knows all things. He knows our ways. The Bible says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. And you understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. He knows all about my ways. He knows what I do. Now, when we think about God knowing my ways and he knows everything that I do, uh, for some, it, it might be a threat. It's like, man, God, good night. Maybe I ought to change my ways. But when you're walking in his way, how exciting is it to know that my God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he knows where I am. And he is with me every step of the way. <clears throat> it's interesting when you think about God knowing all about our ways. I, I heard a story about this little boy and went to his grandma's. Uh, she was living at an assisted living facility, and they went down to the cafeteria, and in the cafeteria, they just kind of worked off of, <clears throat> you know, take what you want kind of thing, and, and, uh, but yet don't take too many. And so they were walking through this line, and they got to the apples, you know, take one apple, God is watching, little sign, take one apple. God is watching. And so they're moving down the, the, the line, and, and, and they got to the chocolate chip cookies. <clears throat> Wasn't no sign. So the little boy looked at his grandma, and he said, Grandma, hey, take as many as you want from here, because God's watching the apples. <laughs> so, but the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> God knows your ways. He is watching. Why? Because he loves you and wants to be with 
you. He knows our understands. He not only knows my ways, he knows why I do what I do. I don't even know that. You ever, you ever think about that? I don't know why I do what I do. There's a lot of times I do stuff and I think, that's the stupidest thing I could have ever done. Why did I do that? You ever ask yourself that question? God doesn't have to ask that about you. He knows why you did it. <laughs> and he still loves us. He knows our words in verse number four, all about our words, even before there was a word on my tongue. Behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. He knows my words, spoken and unspoken. So, so you may be here saying, well, if God knows my words spoken and unspoken, if I, they're unspoken, why don't I go ahead and speak it? Because he knows it already. Well, because you might get smacked. <laughs> you know what's good news this morning? Is this God that we're talking about, who knows everything about my ways, he knows my words, everything I speak, what I even with discretion keep inside of my teeth. <clears throat> That he loves me unconditionally. It's not a performance-based love from our God, but that he just flat out loves me, and he loves you unconditionally. That is how great our God is, that he can know how sorry I can be, and yet love me deeply. Our God is sovereign. The Bible says, You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And just talking basically about the sovereignty of God. In fact, the word for enclosed is the same word that you would use to talk about how you would guard a treasury. In other words, God is saying, You are a priceless treasure to me, and I have got you. And the fact of the matter is, God values you and he's guarding you and that there is nothing, there is nothing that can happen to me apart from my God permitting it to happen. Why? Because he has enclosed me behind and in front. Nothing can come into my life apart from his saying, I will permit this. You know, there's some people that struggle here at this point because... <clears throat> some of you might be going through a difficult day and, and you begin to ask those questions like, man, if God is so good and if God is so loving and if God has enclosed me behind and before, then why am I going through the midst of these difficult days? And all of a sudden, before you know it, if you're not careful, you begin to question even whether or not God Almighty knows me or maybe he's forgotten about me or maybe he's overlooked me. And the fact of the matter is God would never, ever, ever forget about you he knows exactly where you are he knows exactly what you are going through and his grace is sufficient to carry you through no matter what it is in fact he talks over in matthew's gospel matthew chapter number six and in verse number 26 he says look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not worth much more than they god loves you. We do live life in a broken world, and we do go through difficult days, but God uses all of those things to do a mighty work in you and through you. The Bible says it like this in Romans 8, verse number 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. There's a decision that all of us have got to make in the midst of those difficult days, and that is this. Either I will run to God or run from God. And that's where we are. Difficult 
days. But do you know, again, his grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and in verse number 9. God's all-knowing, and he loves you, and if you ever get to the point in your life where you feel forgotten or feel like he doesn't love you, the Bible says, remember the cross. Remember the cross. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8. <clears throat> God demonstrated his great love for you, and that while... You and I were still sinners. He died for us. In other words, he didn't do it because I'm lovable. He didn't do it because I'm gifted. He didn't do it for any other reason but just that I love you. I know you, and I love you. He's an all-knowing kind of God. How great is our God? He's not, an all, not only all-knowing. The Bible goes on in verse number 7 and says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God is all <clears throat> present, and I'm grateful to know that he is a God who is all present. There's nowhere that I can go where God is not. <clears throat> You ever heard about the atheist that said, hey, show me where God is, and I'll give you an apple. Little girl said, show me where he's not, and I'll give you the whole bundle. <laughs> There's nowhere that our God is not. He is all present. And he goes on this list, and he says, hey, listen, death, even death, in verse number 8, I go to heaven, if I go to hell, see, you are there. There's nothing that can separate me from where you are. In other words, if you want to look through Scripture, you can find that Lazarus and, and the rich man, there's a story in the Gospels about Lazarus and a, and a rich man beyond the grave, and, and God was there with them. There's nowhere that I can escape his presence, even in death. When you're talking about death, he is the rewarder of the saints. He is the one who judges the sinners. He is there in death, even now. In verse number 9 and 10, there's no distance that I can go to escape from your presence. Wherever I go, you're there. You're there. And yet people continue to try to run from God. And you can't run from God. He's already there. Before you got there, he's there. Wherever there might be for you. Jonah. Jonah's story. Jonah. <clears throat> Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to preach to Nineveh. I know that you are a gracious God and your grace is greater than all of our sins and I know how sorry those people are and they don't deserve your amazing grace. I'm not going there. Story. So he gets on a ship to run from God but God was there. You can't outrun God. There's, there's people that, man, I'm just going to get away from, from God. I'm, I'm angry at God, so I'm going to leave the church. Where are you going to go to get away from God? You, you can't. That's what the psalmist is saying. 
He's there no matter how far you travel. You can't hide from God in the darkness. Verse number 11 and 12, you can't hide from God. And yet you find people trying to hide from God ever since the beginning. Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned against God, they started to play hide and seek, trying to hide from God. You can't hide from God. You remember God asked the question of Adam and Eve, Hey, where are you? Remember that question? That's an interesting question because... God knows all things. I mean, he was already in the hiding place before they got there. <laughs> he knew. But he asked the question. I believe he asked the question simply because, hey, do you know where you are? Do you know that you're hiding from me? And you don't have to. So stop hiding. You can't hide from God. He knows already. Maybe this morning you're here and you've been playing hide-and-seek with God like you can't see or he doesn't know, and he does know. You know, there's a story in Scripture, the story of the prodigal son. I love the story of the prodigal son. And uh, you got these, this, this father that's raised up his family, and you got this son that says, oh, it's good, but I'm looking for better. And you read the story, and this prodigal goes, and he just lives it up. Turns his back on his dad, runs away. Finally, he gets to rock bottom, and uh, he wakes up. And when he wakes up, he's like, man, you know, my dad treats servants better than I'm living. And he begins to wonder. And in fact, if you read the story, he begins to, what am I going to say when I see him? Because <laughs> he's probably not going to want to see me. And do you know that as the story goes on and he comes to his father's house, his father was waiting and longing for him to return home. He wasn't there to point his finger in his face and say, how sorry you've been. He didn't clench his fist and say, man, you have been an embarrassment to me. He said, man, I am so glad that you've come home. And this morning, you may be hiding from God and running from God, but can I tell you that God knows and that he's longing and wanting you to come back home to him. Come home to him, our God is an all-knowing God. Our God is an all-present God. He is all places. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 13, Proverbs 28 verse 13, he who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. What a great God we serve. God is also all-powerful. He's an all-powerful creator of all things. The Bible goes on in verse number 13. <clears throat> you formed my inward parts. You owed me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was skillfully made, or when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written 
the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. God is all-powerful. There is nothing that our God can't do. Isn't it interesting when you're reading through here at the psalm, he could have, the psalmist could have selected anything to illustrate the power of God Almighty. He could have said, hey, look at the earth. Look at the earth. Look at how, how, how there's, there's the mountains and there's the valleys and there's the oceans and that God Almighty spoke all of that into existence. He could have looked and said, man, look, look at the heavens and look at the vast expanse of the heavens and how powerful is our God. He could have said, hey, look up there. And, and in fact, at the galaxy, it's interesting when you're reading about the galaxy, one million earths can, can go inside of our sun and yet there's a star out there 700 times the size of our sunshine and God Almighty spoke all of that into existence I've heard that they claim that they've been able to see scientists have been able to see a galaxy that's some 13 and a half billion light years away from planet earth do you know how far that is I don't, (laughs) but it's a long ways, I know that. It's a long, long ways from earth. If light travels at 186,000 miles per second, thirteen and a half billion years, every second of every year, I mean, like, you, you, can't, you can't grasp it. Why do I say that? What a display of the power of our God. He spoke it. He created everything out of nothing. He spoke it. And yet the psalmist said, can I talk to you about the power of God? Listen. Go and get a mirror and look at yourself. Go get a mirror and look at yourself. Our God is powerful. He knit me together in my mother's womb. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You know what's interesting? You did not begin at conception. You didn't begin at conception. <clears throat> you know, there's this big debate. Well, when does life begin at conception? Well, listen. Jeremiah 1 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Intimately. Intimately, intimately, I knew you. Who created you? Not your mom and your dad, but God. You're not a mistake. He didn't make any mistakes. Our God is all-powerful. 
and he knew you, and he created you. So when you're talking about any issues pertaining to life, listen, you are assaulting the creation of God Almighty. I'm thankful for an awesome God. How arrogant to tell God it's not the right time. You made a mistake. How arrogant to tell God, hey, there's something wrong. You made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Oops is not even a part of his vocabulary. He's created us. I mean, from the looks at it, it's got a sense of humor. (laughs) But I am thankful to be fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God Almighty. Unique. Unique. We had the privilege to go down and and hang out for a couple of days with uh, my son and his wife and our granddaughters. So they're the reason we were there. But anyways... We went to our granddaughters. <clears throat> and uh, interesting time this, this, this past week was an interesting time. Uh, Harper, my oldest granddaughter, she's three. And uh, when, when I saw her, I picked her up, hugging on her. And I said, man, you are so beautiful. Man, you are so beautiful. I said, you, you, you look like Goldilocks. She's got these old curly hair, you know. I said, you look like Goldilocks. And uh, so beautiful. And she said, Pops. What happened to your hair? <laughs> I said, well, I said, I guess maybe the wind blew too hard. or I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, but, but I said, God created some people with more hair than others. Right? I, you know, what do you tell her? So I thought we were done with the conversation. So before we left, I, I, had, I was going to tell her a story, a bedtime story before we're hitting the road, right? So I had her sitting in my lap, and I'm holding her. And uh, tell me a story, Pops. Tell me a story. So I start to tell a story. I said, well, once upon a time, I mean, as soon as I, once upon a time, she starts smiling. I'm like, man, I'm on the right track. Pops, your hair is in your nose. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, maybe God's been playing hide and seek with me for all this time. (laughs) Hey, listen, when God created you, he did not make a mistake. He created you. Unique. It's never, ever been another one like you. How creative is our God? Isn't it funny how we like to try to put everybody into a little box so that we're comfortable? I want everybody to look like me, act like me, like what I like, be like me, when the fact of the matter is nobody will ever be like you, nor like me. And you know those who fail most miserably in life? Try to be like somebody else. When God did not create you to be like another he created you specially he created you uniquely you are priceless one of a kind 
one of a kind. But God says, hey, I want you to know that I have created you for a purpose. <clears throat> I want a relationship with you. I want you to walk with me. I want you to walk with me. And he gifts us uniquely so that we can do and be, do things that no one else can do and be who no one else can be. And God, help me fulfill that purpose to bring him honor and glory. And it starts with a personal relationship. That time in your life when you realize, you know what, I have sinned. God knows I've sinned, but I know that I have sinned against God. And I do believe that God loves me just like I am and wants a relationship with me. So much so that he came into this world, laid down his life on a cross because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And so God Almighty paid that price for me and for you so that we could have this intimate walk with him. And if you've never called on his name, call on his name because that is where significance begins. That's where purpose begins is in a relationship with him. So this morning, I would encourage you to call on his name. Would y'all do me a favor today and just join me for a time of prayer as we wrap this service up? If you've never called on him, I'm going to invite you to call on his name today. We'd love to spend a moment with you, talking with you and praying with you. But even where you are this morning, just cry out to God Almighty. God, I know I've sinned against you, and I want you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you shed your blood on a cross and died. You paid the price for me. God, I know that you conquered the grave, and you're alive. God, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. And you repent. Stop living for yourself. God, I'm yours. And I want you to be my Lord. Cry out to him today. Hey, maybe you're here this morning, brother and sister, and you've been saved, you've been born again, but you've been struggling. Hey, this morning, once again, let me remind you, you are special. You are so special. You are God's workmanship, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for the works that He has just for you. Walk with Him. Oh God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, for your grace. Thank you for this moment. Speak, God. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.